always say go with someone that's accredited with the VA. Why does accreditation matter or not matter? Woo! Oh, man. I, I oh, well. man. Well, Kimball's Kim been on here speaking about it all, all, the, all live stream, right? Listen, um, I'll tell you that. I'll tell you this. Um, you know, in any industry, any accreditation or any uh, any organization, you have you have uh, some one you have some people that do good work and you have some people that do bad work. Accreditation means uh, a lot of times accreditation means you took a test and you were able to pass the test. I do not understand that. So, you know, next time, you know, when you're dealing with someone that is accredited or dealing with, uh, uh, you know, in, a lawyer even. Um, as you know, as Kimball says on many of his uh, uh, videos, provide a manual reference. Mm-hmm. Provide a manual reference. If they cannot provide you a manual reference or a CFR regulation, guess what? Um, I would defer to consider their uh, their counsel. Whoo, man! You hit the nail on the head. And I tell you know, I get and I see that people are like, oh, go with somebody accredited, and they and they say that, and I you know, I don't want to. Make it sound like we're bashing VSOs. You know, you got some good ones. You got some not so good ones. Same way with Raiders. Same thing. You know, you got some good ones and not so good ones. But I came across a VSO one time. We were just talking. And I was like, well, you know, uh, you can look it up in the CFR. And you know his response to me? Hit that notification button. Don't forget to share this. Good evening, everyone. My name is Dwayne Kimball, United States Army veteran and retired VA rating specialist. Welcome this evening. Uh, to my monthly live Q&A session, I got a special guest for you. And guess what? He's a former Raider like me. And also, he was trained by the VA like me. So I am super excited. Uh, we met earlier this year in Dallas at a veterans event. Uh, reached out to him a couple weeks ago. I was like, hey, I got to get you on the show. Got to get you on the show. And he's here. How you doing this evening, sir? Man, I'm I'm great. I'm great. Uh, you know, just really excited to uh, serve, educate, and uh, make sure we provide the support to the veterans. And and I and I we really appreciate you so much, uh, Miss Kimball, for reaching out and uh, giving us the opportunity to be able to make sure our veterans are well taken care of, just as much as you do. Hey, I definitely appreciate that, and thank you for uh, serving. Thank you for what you did as a former VA Raider. But I do not want to steal your thunder. So go ahead. <laughs> Mr. Davis, tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell us about your organization, what you're doing out there. Uh, you're in the Vegas area. Tell us a little bit about um, what you're doing out in Vegas for veterans. But definitely, I want to know a little bit more about your business and let all the subscribers uh, know as well. Most definitely. Thank you. So uh, particularly Veterans for Veterans, obviously, uh, organization that's going to be able to make sure that we're supporting our veterans in regards to their disability consent uh, claims purposes and also uh, real estate services and also entrepreneurship areas, uh, making sure that everyone is being able to be provided the information that they need to go through and, and also get the benefits that they deserve. Right. So, uh, you know, as for myself. Um, I want to make sure that everyone understands that I am a former Raider, right? I've uh, been 
again, I worked for the VA for many, many years and also a veteran myself with over three deployments and uh, Operation Iraqi Freedom and also Operation Adura Freedom as well. So, you know, I do have some sea time under my belt uh, as I was in the Navy, obviously, as you guys can see, right? All right, all right, <laughs> but, all right. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, uh, but travel, travel the nation actually in uh, being able to work for the VA, having the opportunity to work in such places and uh, such as uh, San Diego, such as uh, Milwaukee, Washington, D.C., uh, and really being able to garner and gather all the information li literally around the nation. So um, it's uh, been a pleasure, and uh, we're here to continue with, continue our support to veterans, and um, this is why we're here. So I'm really excited. Hey, definitely appreciate that introduction. So uh, everyone, we got about 78, uh, 78 uh, people here tonight. Make sure you go ahead and hit that like button before we get into the Q&A. Um, if you want to reach out uh, to Mr. Davis's organization, Veterans for Veterans, you can go to our website at Vets for vetsconsulting.com vets for vetsconsulting.com also if you want to send them an email info at vets for vetsconsulting.com their phone number I'll stick their phone number in the comment section as well but it's 619 619 786-0465 Okay, and I'll put it in the comment section as well. Um, so, Mr. Davis, if you wouldn't mind just telling us a little bit about how is it that, you know, your organization, what does your organization do as it pertains to uh, veterans and the VA claims process? Oh, great question. So, uh, as we know, the the process is in most difficulty in nature as as, as it comes, right? So we make sure that we get them from step A all the way to step Z, making sure that we're providing the information, the education, the support, uh, the understanding. Um, you know, uh, again, Kimball, you, you and I would know on a continuous basis, uh, under the understanding the regulations, that's huge, right? Um, I can't, I can't, you know, break down the some of the jargon in regards to the CFR, uh, making sure that's that's discussed in layman's terms. Uh, not only that, making sure that uh, medical appointments are, are, are at ease, right? Um, because I can't stress enough how many veterans are unfortunately uh, not properly rated just due to the fact of, uh, again, bad evidence, right? No evidence at all, or even simply messing up paperwork. You know, uh, the VA has different avenues on how they're gonna be able to either support you and get you an increase in grant, or deny you, right? Uh, again, simply uh, coming with prescribed forms. Before, you can be able to just write it in on a napkin and a uh, claim is filed, but not mm -hmm. any longer. So um, it's just things of that nature that we wanna make sure that we're providing the full support from step A to step Z, uh, making sure the veterans are getting uh, pretty much their, what they deserve, the benefits that they deserve and that they're entitled to. Yeah, I appreciate that, appreciate that. So before we get into Q&A, um, make sure you go out to my website, www.kmd89.com, pick up my new book, VA Claim Success, your guide to maximizing your uh, VA compensation benefits. Also, I have at the bottom, scrolling across the bottom, you can use a coupon code uh, for 20% off, VET, V-E-T, 20, okay? See, a lot of people going to my website, purchasing the book, and I have 20% off and the coupon code right next to it. 
the buy button, but people not using the coupon code. I don't get it. <laughs> okay. So you know what? We're going to kick the questions off. And I got a course, uh, first question for you, Mr. Davis. My first question. Yes, sir. Um, so, man, I just, I, I just can't believe we got two Raiders on here, trained by the VR. <laughs> that is so awesome. So uh, you have a YouTube channel as well. Veterans, is it uh, Prepare to Compete? Is it, uh, prepare, is it your YouTube channel? Yeah, prepare, yeah. Prepare to Compete podcast, right? Is that correct? That yes, sir. Okay. Yes, sir. All right. Mm -hmm. Okay. So first question, because I get this all the time. People leave comments and they'll say, Raiders want to see this or Raiders are going to do this. Or they'll ask me, if I do this, what would a Raider do? I'm like, do you know how many Raiders it is out there? I don't know all of them. But this is one question I get, and I know you can answer this question. People leave a comment and say, oh, uh, RBSRs are trained to deny the claim always, no matter what, the first time around. So my question to you, are RBSRs trained to just deny regardless the first time around? Well, I'll tell you this. Um, as a Raider and around other Raiders. To deny it. Yeah. Purposely. Yeah. That is totally not true. Um, <laughs> that's just something that, it, it is not, you know, I've heard the mantra all the time. Just keep submitting it until it's, until it's granted. That's not, that's not, that's, that's not how it works. Right. right. Um, it's all, it's actually the reverse, right? Grant. I mean, grant, if you can deny, if you must. Right. right. Um, so potentially we want to be able to be able to bring sure that support, but uh, unfortunately veterans are not providing the correct information, evidence, and also documents to get to the point of approval or grants. Um, so, uh, just to, just to debunk that, uh, no, they're, they're not here to deny you. Um, and I will tell you a lot of those people that are actually behind that desk are veterans themselves. So, yep. uh, on the contrary, they want to support veterans as well. Yeah. So thank you for that. Cause I, I wanted them to hear it from somebody other than myself. Cause you know, cause they'll say, well, Dwayne, you don't know what you're talking about. You're not accredited. I was oh, trained wow. by the VA. I, VSOs are not trained by the VA. You know, when I went through my training, I started in June, then in October, and I was still on second signature for maybe four or five months after that, you know. So they're like, you know, you know, what are you doing? You know, go use a VSO. And, I, you know, that's a whole nother conversation. But yeah. um, I'm just like, hey, we were trained by the VA. And nowhere in my training did they say, denied a veteran the first time around. In fact, like you said, you know, um, they told us you have to be an advocate for the veteran. You have to speak for the veteran. The ev evidence has to be, has to speak uh, for the veteran. So I've seen some of your videos on YouTube uh, and mine, and I'm giving these nuggets. We're giving these nuggets, and those views don't get a lot of watch time. It's, oh, the COLA increase. Oh, the new 100%. Well, yeah. If you're not educated and you believe you should be 100%, that video is not going to do you any good. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? Indeed, it's indeed. not going to do you uh, any good. So we're going to kick it off. You're the guest tonight. Uh, I'll read the question out to you. I'm going to pop it up on the screen. Uh, I don't know if you can see it on yours, but it's uh, John King. It states, can I file an 0996 from one decision letter and then – in 0995 from a different decision letter 
at the same time, both will have both will be separate filings. Oh, well, uh, great question, uh, Mr. King. So uh, when you're typically uh, and, and, and just to kind of break that down, it's going to be a higher level review. Right. And also a supplemental claim. Um, so with the appeals process, um, there are two different types of uh, claims filings. And when we're submitting a higher level review, that's pretty much a continuation uh, to be able to review that case file with, uh, you know, higher or more experienced decision review officers. So there won't be any evidence needed. So if there's no evidence that you support, you're submitting with that case file, go ahead. You can go ahead and, uh, go ahead and submit it and it will be processed. Uh, but now with the supplemental, I would go ahead and uh, yield you to say, uh, yes, you may, but make sure that you have the evidence to support uh, that re-review, okay? So um, as long as you have the evidence to be able to support that uh, 0995 and supplemental, go ahead. Make sure you go ahead and get it filed. Okay. And keep so, in mind, you got to make sure, yeah. yeah, the conditions are separate. So you can't submit a high level, yeah. you know, if you got denied for the back, regardless if it's on two separate decisions, you can't submit a high level review for the back and then turn around and submit a supplemental for uh, the back as well. Okay. So it's, it's two different uh, jurisdiction there. Okay. I'll take the next one because this gentleman put four questions in here. Okay. <laughs> yeah. He put four questions. So twisted uh, one uh, quarter uh, given 30% uh, GERD for considerable impairment, 30% doc stated considerable due to manageable if I use meds. I stated in my 4138 that GERD severely impacts my life due to trouble I did read this earlier, so I'm going to jump down to the last part. Medication or treatment, have you seen this scenario before as a rater? How would you rate? Um, so twisted, I would rate, if you're going in for an increase, I would rate off of whatever the criteria is for the next higher percentage, okay? So if you submit a DBQ and it shows that you meet that criteria for the next higher percentage, I grant the next higher percentage. If you go to the CMP exam and that exam shows the next uh you uh meet the next higher percentage criteria i grant now let's just say the evidence from the dbq doesn't show that but you claimed it and in your lay statement you stated you had those symptoms i could use your subjective statement to grant the increase okay so it's not what we think it should be it's what is under the diagnostic code criteria. So if you go back to that rating decision, they will tell you the percentage, uh, the criteria, the reason why they gave you that percentage, and then they have to tell you why the next higher pri uh, next higher percentage was not warranted. That's the criteria. That's how I would rate that, okay? I would love to just give you the next higher percentage, but if it gets pulled by QRT, not going to happen, okay? I'm going to get the error. And that's going to be a problem. All right. So, uh, Kenneth, I'll shoot this back to you. Can you see screens or should I still continue to? Uh, oh, read no, it no, no, we're good to go now. Um, but okay. I, I do have, a, again, a little trouble uh, seeing the questions. But if you could, if you could, that'd be great. Okay. All right. So, Dito Girl, welcome back, Dito Girl from Texas. Uh, states, hey, DK, hey, from San Antonio. Yep, you're from San Antonio. You're looking to still buy the house. In Louisiana, I do remember. I want to apply for a TDIU. Ooh. Question is, the two witness uh, witness signatures, 
do they have to be notarized? And can I use my husband since he's a vet as well? Do I submit a claim? Great. That's a great question. Um, so TDIU, in regards to statements, uh, being notarized is not necessarily a requirement, but it could, uh, you know, assist uh, depending on what stage of the, the claim that you're in. Right. Um, so with that being said, if you're going to submit a TDIU case filing, uh, make make sure it's consider you're considering uh, who is providing your statements. Your husband can therefore uh, be able to be able to be of assistance and write a statement for you. So that that can help if you guys were together during that time frame. So I will always make sure you outline uh, your date of marriage and such. Uh, so that can be considered, um, you know, but when if you want to kind of get in the crux of things, because uh, we're, we're all family here. Right. Let's let's kind of get in the crux of things. Right. Um, when we're talking about statements, I, I always want to make sure that we highlight uh, statements are great. Right. Uh, statements are wonderful. Uh, but sometimes uh, that probate of weight is not a lot of times considered through examiners, right? And it's not to prevent veterans from writing statements. Like you should write statements, but make sure that uh, the statements has some, some real credible information, some great information, such as Mr. Campbell mentioned, uh, symptoms, right? Uh, uh, times of issues that may have happened. So that that's a that's a real consideration that you might want to take. But um, in regards to TDIU, yes, uh, again, those statements, that's that's totally fine. Um, if I were you, I will get them notarized uh, just just want to be on the safe side. Um, it's not going to be removed or disposition. But uh, however, I when considering TDIU, make sure that you're considering the whole aspect of individual unemployability. Um, just due to the fact of the basically marginal income that you can make moving forward. Right. Uh, also, what I add to that is you have to understand TDIU is not a standalone claim. It's a claim for increase for the service-connected conditions that you're saying that's that uh, prevents you uh, from gainful employment. And another thing to watch out for is if – Let's say you're 50% for 70% for PTSD. You're going in for an increase. What you're saying is you feel you meet the 100% criteria now. Okay. If that 70% has been in effect less than five years, you go to that CMP exam and it shows improvement. Guess what's going to happen? Proposal to reduce. If it's been in effect more than five years, they need two exams. So TDIU is Ricky, you need to understand it. Uh, I know I have a couple of videos on my channel explaining TDIU. Uh, Mr. Davis, do y'all have any videos on your channel explaining TDIU? Have you talked about that? Yeah, we actually do have a video uh, for IU. IU is very particular, you know, and I and I and I, and I, I yield our veterans to be cautious of it. Be cautious of it because, as you mentioned, it is not a standalone claim. Um, as much as they we try uh, we try to make it make it a standalone claim and it's not it, it's uh, it's technically almost considered a, a claim for increase right because those conditions that you're going after will be re-reviewed right that that is correct so let's keep it moving um donald i received a decision on my plantar fasciitis and the letter stated i could have pest planets and to file is that common and how good is my outcome 
first, Donald, what letter are you uh, referring to? Um, Because I can't think of one that the VA would send you to state uh, you could have pest planets and to actually file. Can you think of a letter, uh, Mr. Davis? I cannot. Mm -mm. And then the outcome, the outcome is going to, you know, you got to look at where does that pest plan is fall under the five ways of service connection and do you meet the criteria? Uh, so that's what the outcome more than likely would uh, depend on. Go ahead, Mr. Davis. Yeah, this is, uh, again, uh, as Mr. Kimball said, Donald, uh, we need a lot more information. Um, yeah. There's a lot of variables there. Uh, that we we would love to support you and put more give you more uh, gu guidance, but uh, there's a lot more information needed. I never wanna I never wanna put myself in a position to give wrongful information. So um, if right. you could please uh, send another question, send the question back over with the correct information. I'll uh, again I'll, I'll love to answer it. Okay, all right, cool. Move right along. Uh, and Kim, do I you want to go to let you know that I am I'm able to see the questions now too. Okay. Uh, Army guy, do you have any insight into HR 6023 Restitution and Justice Act? Have you heard of that, uh, Mr. Davis? I, ha uh, I, have, I haven't. Yeah, I haven't. So, yeah, no, no, I'm not too familiar. Uh, but right. I would love to, you know, dive into that right uh, again and dive into it to get more information for sure. Right. Yeah. So, Army guy, um, you know, and this is for everybody, even though we were trained by the VA. And I'm pretty sure when uh, Ms. Davis was going through his training, he told him the same thing. We can't memorize all this stuff. We can't memorize the M21 manual reference. We can't memorize the 38 CFR. What we were trained to do is to know, to know where to go and find this information and interpret it as it pertains to the case that was in front of us. Okay? So a lot of people will say, oh, this particular 38 CFR, what is it? I don't know. People ask me, what is what is the criteria for SMCT? I don't know. I would have to go to the M21 manual reference and look it up. I know where to go and find it in a couple of, you know, few seconds, but I don't have it memorized. Now, there are some regulations that I have memorized. 38 CFR 3.309 subpart A, 38 CFR 3.309 subpart E. One-year presumptive and agent orange presumptives. But I have to go there to see Okay, which is that condition on there? Or that condition is on there. So, because I work with those, you know, but we don't know, and we don't know what another radar will do. It's you know, it's like me saying, you know, uh, what would another uh, one of your fellow employees do on your job? We we don't know. Okay, but we're gonna keep it moving. Caprice Barry, I've been real quick, Kimball. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, Ms. Davis. Yeah, I, I again, you again, I, I get a lot of those same questions as well, right? Uh, why don't you know, why don't you know this? Well, let me tell you guys. <laughs> when I tell you internal regulations change pretty much every other week to include other manual references, to include uh, the CFR, these things change so very often. So if you remember, if you're a raider that remembered. Uh, something back in 2000 and you're trying to right now, it is not the same. You're in a different world, right? So I always want to make sure that it's a forever evolving and a forever moving uh, part. So uh, having the information and staying updated is one of the criteria that we always make sure that we do. And I, sh and I, and I know Mr. Kimball does is he provides the content for the masses. Uh, but make sure, again, you understand that a lot of this information is going to change. Um, again, the PACT Act that came out, that was a huge one, right? That that changed uh, literally uh, the landscape of a lot of things. So 
Uh, but I'm right with you. 3.309, they, they beat that one in your head, right? Yeah. <laughs> and I was uh, I was on the Nehmer team uh, oh. when they added those three conditions. So I rated Nehmer cases for a whole year. That's all I did. And I had wow. to find creative ways to come up to figure out how to put that veteran in, in um, uh, Vietnam or uh, uh, Thailand or Korea, somewhere like that, brown water. Uh, oh, they didn't man. have they didn't have blue water back then, uh, but yeah, that, that was that was brutal. Okay, uh, so Caprice Bear says yes. I've been waiting, <laughs> waiting on, waiting all week for this. And again, uh, I do these the first Wednesday of every month at seven p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Next year, we're going to switch to six p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So definitely. Uh, Put that on your calendar. Also, if you like Mr. Davis to come back, we still got some time, but if you like Mr. Davis to come back, maybe we might jump on a Zoom or, or something like that because uh, I know we won't be able to get through all these questions this evening. Uh, just leave a, a response in the comment section. Let Mr. Davis know, hey, we want we want you to come back, you know, answer some more questions. Okay. Uh, so this one I'll let you take, uh, Ms. Davis. I received a decision from the VBA, and now it has been seven months since the decision. I have not received any rating for the things that they were granted or heard anything for the things that was remanded. Got it. Got it. So this is actually a, a kind of a kind of close one here. So because uh, I used to, you know, uh, work specifically for Phil's, uh, well, the AMO now, right? Phil's uh, mm -hmm. Management Office, but it was Phil's Management Center. So when you're, when you're getting things remanded, um, if you have not heard anything back, for some time, um, it must go to, it must get the docket to the judge. So if you receive the decision from the VA and it's been seven months uh, since that decision, um, with that, if you have not received any ratings, what simply has happened, it has went to the docket from the judge and it's been remanded. They provided additional instructions that needed to be provided so they can make a proper decision. Uh, once they're able to make a proper decision at that point, what happens is uh, the judge will then uh, send the decision back to uh, the actual uh, AMO or the, the appeals management office. And when they do that, what's going to happen at that point, it's going to then get in a Raiders queue so they can be able to properly make a correct decision. But they cannot make a decision um, with half the information. They will refuse to uh, make a decision with half their information. Uh, what they would rather do is get all the updated information, if that means including any type of CMP examinations, uh, any additional evidence from yourself, um, just anything. My advice for you uh, would be, uh, John, is make sure that you have all your evidence and you're considering and you're continuously providing new evidence through this entire time frame. Um, do not let it lapse. So uh, with whatever, whatever the remand is, if you if they're requesting anything from you, get it back to them as soon as possible. Thank, thank you, thank you, thank you. Definitely appreciate that. Um, let me see. Okay. Uh, Caprice Barry says, my dad just retired 30 years. He's only at 20%. Uh, he's very reluctant with claiming PTSD. He is concerned that it will affect him finding a job or affecting his right to carry. Advise. I would say, uh, Caprice, as it pertains to uh, carry, you got to look at the laws. Okay. That's not anything that a raider would, you know, can't control. Okay. 
uh, so forth as him filing other conditions, you know, that, that has to be totally up to him. He has to put that claim in. So, um, it, you know, if he did 30 years, my question, does he have an aerosol badge? Does he have a parachute badge? You know, is there any conditions that's under the PACT Act for Gulf War undiagnosed illness if he served in Southwest Asia? Okay. So it could be some other things in there that could take him from 20 to whatever percentage he feel that he deserves, but it's going to be up to him to file that claim. You know, I, one of the wildest things that I received, uh, Ms. Davis, received a claim from a veteran and he stated, I have a VSO, I think he had an attorney, and he says, uh, put it on a 526 and said, I want the VA to look through my records to figure out what I can claim and submit my claim on my behalf. Oh, wow. the VA, the VA will not do that. But I want to let everybody know he had a lawyer. He had a lawyer. I've seen VSOs put on a five, two, six veterans claiming an increase for tinnitus and they're already at 10%. So the naysayers is out there to saying, Hey, get a credit. VSO, not saying that all VSOs are like that, or, or attorneys, you still need to be educated on this. You still need to know what they're doing, what they're submitting, because the VA is going to hold you accountable, not them, because it's not their claim, okay? So let's move a little right along. I'll let you take this one, uh, Mr. Davis. You say you can, you can read it now, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're good. We're good. Okay. The VA lost. All right, Mr. Barry Smith. If the VA lost your service treatment records and the doctor that you started seeing when you first got out and the doctor died and they destroyed his records after 10 years, what do you suggest? Well, that that's a tough one. Um, so having your service treatment, let's uh, let's let's kind of unpack the question, right? Service, your service treatment records being destroyed or lost rather. Um well, if there if there's uh, your service treatment records are lost, there's different avenues to make sure that you uh, make sure every avenue has been uh, checked before uh, noting that your service treatment records are lost. You have your make sure you you check your command, make sure you're uh, receiving if that uh, same notification from the National Personnel Records Center. Uh, make sure that you're checking every avenue and have no stone unturned before you making that determination of your service treatment records being lost. Um, and then from there, uh, if your physician has passed away during that time frame um, and the records are destroyed, well, if you're still dealing with that condition and it's chronic, you still can always go back to uh, the physician to have it the treatment of that time. Uh, well, presently, you know, get uh, get get actually documented. So if you're stating that your service treatment records are lost and at that time, during, during that time frame, while you were in service, um, you were receiving treatment, then at that point, unfortunately, I will say that, you know, um, it, it, it's futile, right? Um, you would need to, this is the point where write statements, right? Uh, any type of statements that would assist, right? Uh, but all in all, um, I would then, you know, yield you to make sure that you get any personal treatment now. And I'm sorry, I have a, uh, just some noise in the background. My apologies. I got a little distracted there. Uh, no problem. I heard it, but I wasn't going to say anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not a problem. You're so, all good. You're yeah, all excuse good. me. I'm sorry. This is that 
that that live stream uh going live <laughs> yeah yeah uh so I'll say let's talk under the tree podcast what do i need for an ed rating uh i have been receiving ed meds for three years i don't know the diagnostic code criteria but it, it would uh also you not you would get the zero percent and then they should grant you smck but just because you've been taking meds for three years you still have to ask yourself the ed where does it fall under the five ways of service connection? Pre-service aggravation, direct, increase, secondary, presumptive. If it doesn't fall under those five ways, 9.9% .9 out of 10, it will be denied. Do you happen to know that diagnostic code criteria right off the bat? I don't, I don't know it right off the bat, the 0% what it says, but I know where to go and find it. I can't. Yeah, so uh, kind of the criteria for that when we're talking about ED, um, the main the main criteria, right, is going to be uh, uh, not being able to become a wreck without uh, through sex, sexual penetration, right? Mm -hmm. um, so that that's one going to be one. You're going to need the medic. You're going to obviously need medication to um, to one be become a wreck for uh, for you know sexual purposes and also. Um, that's something that you're going to need to be treated for while in service. So, you know, that criteria will then possibly yield you about 0%, right? Uh, we'll use you that 0%. But that's something that I would, uh, you know, reconfirm, you know, under the 38 CFR. Uh, but typically that would be the criteria to be able to get that, um, to get that service connected. But uh, that is, I believe that's max, uh, max at zero, right? Because it is a special yep. S&P. Yep. Right. Yep. So yep, it is. Zero. You know, take that into consideration as well. Yep. Okay. Let's keep going here. I'll let you take this one as well, Carlos. All right. Carlos, I am going to have. All right. Hopefully, we don't have any uh, noise here this time. Yeah. No, you're good. Uh, All right, Carlos. Um, so, hi, Carlos. Uh, so, I'm going to have. I'm going to have next week a CMP exam for anxiety, secondary to tinnitus. What to expect and and severe insomnia. So what I would say is uh, every CMP examination is a little bit different, right? Um, so with every CMP examination being different, uh, what you should expect, you should actually prepare yourself to be able to make sure that you're able to speak to your anxiety and, and insomnia very thoroughly, symptomatology and such, and also making sure uh, that you're able to speak your piece to your examiner. A lot of times, uh, you know, it all depends if you're going through a third party examiner or the VA, but a lot of times the examination is very quick. So make sure you are very keen on what you're going to discuss and also make sure you're very keen on how you're going to discuss it. Uh, because at times I've again, I've had cl uh, clients that had a uh, CMP examination that went for 10, 10 minutes. Um, uh, I've had clients that had, uh, you know, a uh, mental exam that went for two hours. So it all depends, you know, it all depends. But typically, again, just be ready to discuss uh, uh, your, your, your illnesses or conditions. Right. So we're going to take a pause right here. Uh, again, you can contact uh, Mr. Davis, Veterans for Veterans, uh, area code 619. I didn't put the nine in before, but I just uh, put it in the comment uh, section again. 619-786-04. 6-5 website vets for vets consulting.com. And again, he and I are former VA Raiders, trained 
by the V8. And that will not be the last time I bring that up tonight. Uh, so just want to make sure we get that out there. Okay. Uh, okay, Benny, you were okay until you said go Navy. I know I'm armed. <laughs> so, you know. There we go. There we go. <laughs> All right, look, one of my frat bros. Again, I'm talking about Gold Navy. Okay, all right. That, so, I'm originally from Missouri. You can see he's out from Arkansas. They're not even going to a bowl game, I don't think. But Mizzou, yeah, going to a bowl game. All right, <laughs> moving right along. Uh, Lee says, "Can you help vets in California? Do we need to drive to Vegas?" I think Lee just trying to get a make an excuse just to get to Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> well. Well, listen, uh, we, we service vets uh, everywhere. So if you don't need to necessarily come to Las Vegas to be serviced, uh, we provided education for veterans even overseas. So uh, we're pretty much uh, assisting globally at that at that point. Well, uh, so California is in that jurisdiction. We would love to assist. There you go. All right. And uh, Lee also uh, put the updated number uh, to Mr. Davis, 619-786-0465. Okay, how do claims tie into VRE program or does it beyond the 10% requirement? Um, unless Mr. Davis has some information on that, I had, you know, Raiders don't have anything to do with voc rehab. At least I didn't during my career. Separate department, I can't even tell you um, what those requirements are. And we have to understand the VA is broken, <clears throat> excuse me, the VA is broken up into three departments of division, if you will. You got VBA, VHA, and NCA, National Cemetery Administration, Veterans Health Administration, and then Veterans Benefit Administration. Under Veterans Veterans Benefits Administration, BVA, you have voc rehab. You have insurance. You have education. Then you have compensation. And then you have pension. What we're talking about is strictly compensation. You know, I sometimes I think I maybe I did a video. Um, no, I didn't do video. A loan guarantee. I, I forgot loan guarantee. Um, yeah, loan guarantee. So I do not even keep up with the VRE program. Do you or your organization keep up with that? I I know I don't. I, I don't keep up with it. Got it. Yeah. Um. So. Yeah, uh, we do kind of make sure, obviously, we're trying to stay updated uh, for the most part. But like you said before, uh, the, the VA is broken up into many branches, right? Um, and even subsector branches in, in between that. Uh, but in regards to VNRE, uh, typically, again, you want to uh, align yourself with 20% to be able to receive VRNE uh, substantially, but you can actually receive it at 10%. Uh, but again, it must be, in a, it must be at a severe nature. Um, so with that being said, uh, I would always make sure veterans are aligned with at least 20% service connected uh, before requesting a VRNE to make sure that you're approved, which one great thing about it is actually just went up um, for the payment that is provided or the compensation payment that's provided uh, for veterans that utilize VNRE by 6.2%. So I know everyone is uh, so enticed uh, with the uh, amount, the COLA, right? Um, but that has went up. So what I would say is, again, uh, make sure that you're at least uh, 20% rated um, and, and above. Um, and just to add to that really quick, um, if you're also, if you're, at, at, again, was discharged by 2013 or, or, or beyond, I want to say that specifically under the VRE, 
you're able to continuously utilize that uh, on an ongoing basis for the rest of your life, right? Uh, anything prior to that, you have a certain lot of time frame, right? About 12 years or so. So the VRN is a very, very special uh, benefit that I don't think a lot of veterans know about. Mm -hmm. Yeah, thank, thank you for that. That's um, I never used it, and I knew where the office, their office was in the regional office, but that 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 was it, you know. Because when I hired in, I hired in as a raider. I I didn't come in as a VSR, so you know I was, you know, two picks on the eyes trying to just <laughs> stay stay in the fight, stay in the game, if you will. All right, so bought your book. Thank you for the support again. If you go to the website, www.camd89.com, pick up the new book. And right next to that Buy Now button, there's a coupon code VET, V-E-T-20. Fulfilled 18 orders and only had two people put that code in, okay? Use the code. All right, moving right along. I'll just take this one, uh, Mr. Davis. All right. All right, uh, Kennedy, Kennedy Scott. So um, I had a CMP examination, it was bad. They didn't put down nothing I say like they didn't care. I called the VA to put a complaint about what should I do next? Well, um, this is why appeal process is made, right? Um, you know, all CMP examinations are not gonna go well. Um, as I just mentioned before, uh, some CMP examinations go very smoothly and well, but some some CMP examinations are just terrible. Um, and again, just like a VA Raider, they uh, your Raider may have a bad day and uh, may not be able to get the proper evidence that uh, make a proper decision. So, with that being said, having that CMP examination, what I would advise is I would advise you uh, to provide yourself additional evidence, uh, but also when you provide that additional evidence, some uh, supplemental claim. Uh, make sure you go ahead and make sure that it is uh, that you put and uh, discuss in a statement uh, that you had a previous examiner um, basically did a bad exam. OK, and I would then also go uh, above and beyond to make sure that that statement is provided before you actually put the supplemental claim in. You possibly get lucky uh, and get a reorder to CMP. But, you know, uh, unfortunately, a lot of times it's, it, it, you know, it is what it is. Yep. All right. Move right along. Uh, let's take this one as well. Stephanie uh, had a 0% rating for two of the three things I've claimed and have proof of proof in my records, but they didn't rate my mental health, even though I have it in my records and I received treatment afterwards. Hmm. I will, I would say, you know, zero, having 0% zero is not a bad thing because you can always go back in for an increase, okay? Um, so if they service connect you, you say proof in your records, they agree. But did you look at the diagnostic code criteria for those conditions before you went to the CMP exam? How did you word the claim? Did you use the symptoms in the percentage in that diagnostic code criteria when you filed it, okay? All of those things come into play. And I even talk about it in my book and I provide some example wording. You know, so definitely think about that. You know, when you get the rating decision, a lot of vets don't read that rating decision. Read why they gave you 0%.
and read why they didn't give you the next higher percentages. So, for example, if it's 10%, why didn't they give you 10%? Do you meet that criteria? Okay. Uh, and like Mr. Davis said, if you do and you get a copy of that CMP exam, and in that CMP exam on the DBQ, it shows that you met the next higher criteria, like Mrs. Davis said, that's why we got the appeal process. But you have to know how to reasonably articulate that when you get in front of that decision review officer. Okay, you got to point out the fact and or law that was violated. Okay. Anything you want to add to that, Mr. Davis? Um, not much. It's one thing I do want to make sure that, uh, the veterans know that's on the live stream. Please read your narratives. Please, when you get your decision, uh, your notification letter, read it thoroughly. Um, cause I will tell you, it's a lot more information in there than you think. Um, you have to read your narrative. This is not a, it's not junk mail. I'll tell you that. I know everyone goes down to the, the payment or if they're rated or not and move yeah. on with their life. Read the narrative, read it thoroughly, and make sure you understand it, okay? And if you don't understand it, um, obviously, make, again, go to a subject matter expert that's going to assist you. Uh, you can definitely reach out to us. Um, obviously, Kimball is giving uh, so much information, and it just, it just is valuable. I was just, I was just thinking, I was like, man, I hope I can get that VET20 code and go to buy a book. <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, so read the narrative. Yeah. I, I don't worry about it. I'll I'll send you one. So make sure you text me. You got my number. Text me, and I'll uh, I'll send you uh, send you a signed copy out there. Okay. Most so, definitely. Most definitely. Yeah, traveling Terry. This is a long supporter, uh, Terry. Uh, we got to meet in person back here in the summer uh, here in the Tampa, Florida area. So he's out in sunny Arizona, living up, living the life, living the life. Okay. Uh, all right. And this is something I was reading this while you were talking, Mr. Davis, because um, they're talking about the disabilities and they get into the SMCL and then the SMCK. And then there's a second part to this. Continuing, he was denied three times since 2021 for SMCT. Any suggestions? Um, go ahead. No, 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 no. Uh, I was just, uh, just, just uh, considering. Um, you know, when we're at the, when we're at those SMC levels, um, at that level, right? SMCT. Uh, only thing that I can do is um, continue to push for what you deserve, right? Um, if you need to appeal it uh, at a higher level review and a VBA level, I'm sorry, BVA level, um, take it to the board. You know, uh, because it's it's uh, when we're talking about uh, special monthly compensation. I don't know about you, Kimball, but um, a lot of uh, raiders were not well versed in the SMC, right? Ooh. The SMC because they were rare, um, mm -hmm. typically. But you know, uh, but yeah, I would say just continue, continue to push forward. Right, and even right now, I can't tell you the criteria. I have to go look it up, and I used that example earlier, and. I'm just thinking like SMC, you know, I know housebound, SMCS. You got to have one disability at 100 and other ones totaling 60% or higher than or not leave the house, I think is what, like at least 95, 90% of the time or something like that. But these other SMCs like loss of use, they got loss of use of upper extremity, lower extremity, below the knee, above the knee. And 
I love that SMC calculator that we had, you know, to plug the effective dates in and stuff. <laughs> Man, I was like, because, you know, when, you know, when you start talking about SMC, M, SMC, N, O, half step, SMC, R1, it took me two days to do an SMC, R1 case. And then my coach turned around as soon as I finished that. He was like, oh, well. You did one. Here's another. And I'm like, man, are you trying to make me go up on the roof and jump off or something? I'm like, give me a break. Give me a hair loss in tonitis or something. You know, break it, you know, break it up. You know, what I mean? go give me two SMC R1s. And it literally, that first one took me two full days. I didn't go to lunch. Only thing I did, I brought my lunch. I was eating my lunch at my desk and going to the bathroom. And that was it. And those, those are brutal. Those, those are brutal. Okay. So, we got a little less than 15 minutes. Going to keep going. I'll let you take this one, Mr. Davis. Uh, don't know if it matters, but they always say go with someone that's accredited with the VA. Why does accreditation matter or not matter? Woo! Oh, man. I, I chose. Wow, man. <laughs> well, Kim, you know, Kimball's been on here speaking about it all, all, the, all live stream, right? <laughs> Listen, um, I'll tell you that. I'll tell you this. Um, you know, in any industry, any accreditation or any uh, any organization, you have you have uh, someone you have some people that do good work and you have some people that do bad work. Accreditation means uh, a lot of times accreditation means you took a test and you were able to pass the test. OK, in the back. Yeah. Uh, now, if you are a expert, a subject matter expert like Mr. Kimball here, um, you know, he has literally broken down certain language that some of these accredited accredited agents or VSO will never even know about. SMCT, SMC, uh, SMCR, SMC, that stuff right there, that is that is high level Raider information. That stuff is not just readily available. You do not understand that. So, you know, next time, you know, when you're dealing with someone that is accredited or dealing with, uh, uh, you know, in, a lawyer even, um, as you know, as Kimball says on many of his uh, 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 videos, provide a manual reference. Mm -hmm. Provide a manual reference. If they cannot provide you a manual reference or a CFR regulation, guess what? Um, I would defer to consider their uh, their counsel. Whoo, man, you hit the nail on the head. And I tell you know, I get and I see that people are like, oh, go with somebody accredited, and they and they say that, and I you know, I don't want to. Make it sound like we're bashing VSOs. You know, you got some good ones. You got some not so good ones. Same way with Raiders. Same thing. You know, you got some good ones and not so good ones. But I came across a VSO one time. We were just talking. And I was like, well, you know, uh, you can look it up in the CFR. And you know his response to me was, what is the CFR? Oh, it was man. like, whoa. I was like okay but you see that a lot people on facebook get accredited get it go, go get it accredited you know and there's some awesome ones out there that you know I, yeah. I uh know some uh personally that are good but you know when people say that i'm like mm. and you remember that test that we had to take that 300 word test like uh oh, yeah. uh that to become a journeyman uh rvsr then you had to take that every two years man you talking about sweating bullets taking that thing <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I'll tell you what, they're going through that, going through, um, it's like, it's, 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 it's almost like going to college all over again. <laughs> this, it is, it is strenuous. It is a strenuous process to be able to get the information that you guys are getting here. 
um, on these platforms because I'll tell you right now, this is not stuff that's ready. It, it is readily available. I'll tell you, uh, find me 10 people to interpret. Find me it, 10 people to yep. interpret the information, mm -hmm. right? It is not that easy. Yep. Okay, twist it, claim with Smith. Okay, twist it. When you start talking about effective dates, when people ask me about effective dates and give me scenarios, I don't even touch it. I need to be looking at everything. 526CZ, did you submit an intent to file? You know, what's in the rain decision? What other evidence that you have? Effective dates are tricky. You can tell me a scenario and I can say, oh, it's this date. And then turn around and give me the paperwork. I'm like, no, this is another date. So I don't even try to attempt to answer those questions because I have to be looking at all the information. How about you, Mr. Davis? I uh, totally agree. Uh, effective dates is one of the one of the most common things that people are dinged on, right? Um, effective dates is 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 it is a very tricky situation because at that point you you're taking into consideration uh, the staging of claim, uh, staging of conditions. You're taking into consideration intent to files. You're taking into consideration of previous claims and historic claims. It, it is so tricky. It can get uh, very, very confusing there. But what I, w what I would want to add, though, um, I do want to make sure that everyone takes notice to uh, the, the update uh, in the regulation that uh, basically states that veterans are able to receive um, basically intent to file effective dates based upon a supplemental case filing. Okay, uh, that did uh, that update did transpire in March. Uh, that is very, very huge for some 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 veterans. They they don't know that. Um, so now, rather than uh, getting a effective date based on the time uh, that from the, the the submission of case uh, claim, right? You're able to go back to the intent to file. So uh, that is something I do would like to go to touch on effective dates. Okay. I think we got somebody here that may uh, that follow you there, uh, Mr. Davis. Prepare to compete. Um, podcast is go. I'll follow you on TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah. So uh, I'm going to put this up. Uh, lady B, it is easier to grant than deny. And I want to give this young lady a shout out. She was actually my master trainer when we went to uh CO in uh Baltimore. Uh she was my mentor while at the VA. I consider her a walking VA dictionary. Almost four, 40 years doing this. And I remember I was having a tough time in 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 Baltimore and she said, hey, when we get back to the hotel room, meet me downstairs. And she broke it down. So a lot of the stuff that I'm talking about in my YouTube videos, my live streams, I credit her for a lot of that. And guess what? She didn't even work in my regional office. Mm. She gave me more information than some of the um, uh, individuals that were doing the training at my regional office. I could email her. Um, and she's been on. Um, I did a video, I want to say about two, three years ago. And she talked about, she broke the protection rule down. She broke it down and explained it. Uh, so definitely, I just want to give her a shout out and say thank you. Um, I'm totally grateful because I don't know if I would have made it as a Raider um, without you, you know. Uh, and super uh, lovely person. And I just appreciate everything you did for me 
and the veterans out there. And she was always say, you need to figure out ways to grant. Don't even think about just mm. figure out ways that you can grant. She just hammered that, hammered it, you know. Um, so I called her like a master, super master trainer because she trained not only me, but hundreds of other RVSRs as well. So thank you. All right, let's keep going. We got about six more minutes. Get through a couple more questions here. George Washington, is it normal for Optimum to schedule eight general exams and one visit with one doctor for two hours? I'll just take that one, Mr. Davis. Uh, yeah, I mean, um, typically on a general exam, uh, they, they they would go ahead and be able to demonably uh, review, you know, each condition at that time. So uh, what I would say is yes, uh, because a lot of times a lot of general general conditions are uh, grouped, right? Musculoskeletal conditions, uh, new, uh, neurological conditions, and such. So they're able to kind of uh, get the information during the uh, during the process. So if it's eight conditions under a general exam, they're pretty much going from head to toe typically, uh, and you know they'll provide that examination for you, fill out your fill out the information there. So I would say yes. All right. Tyler says, if that's truly the case, where did the mantra deny until we die come from? They. <laughs> it didn't come from, I guarantee you, it didn't come from anybody that was trained by uh, the VA. Uh, you know, and I would say it came from people outside the VA. The, the people that say, oh, Raiders want to see this or Raiders will do this. And I still haven't heard anybody tell me what did I want to see or what did I want to do when I actually rate it? Do you got any insight on that, Mr. Davis? I I think you I think you hit the nail on the head. I think I think you are very true, very right. Um most people are coming up with that mantra because they are not able to go through the process. They don't know. It is. So it once is. they deny they just travel the information to others and next thing you know it's just a it's scuttlebutt talk, right? Or it's yeah. uh just uh, water cooler. So now, now everyone is afraid to even put in a claim or go submit a claim again because uh, their brother or sister in arms has told them that they've been denied, but they have been right. uh, miseducated and and has not done it properly. So now at that point, you you're gonna go ahead and you know uh, spew that mantra on. So right, right. Yeah, deny until you die. You know, it just and I just. I had to just dial back from responding to those comments like on Facebook because I'm just like, okay, it's just at this point, it's just hearsay, if you will, you know, because I know from working in that system that that's just, it, it, it's just not true. You know, um, you, you, I just tried to look for ways to, okay, how can I get this veteran service connected? You know, how can I, and he, like I stated earlier, these videos that like yourself and myself do and don't get a lot of views, that's the one they need to be looking at because we're dropping them nuggets. Those are the ones you need to stop looking at Cola. I even do videos of Cola. Stop looking at those. Start looking at these videos, the five ways of service connection. What is the criteria for TDIU? Uh, how do you do an intent to file? How do you go about submitting that four-year request to getting um, your VA claims filed? What makes a DBQ and Nexus statement sufficient? You know, things like that. You know, 
understand, you know, on block 17 on that 526, if you put down treatment, you just added six months onto your claim because they're going to see that 4142 and you're going to go through that. And guess what? That doctor don't respond. They're going to send you a letter and say, hey, the doctor didn't respond. It's your ultimate responsibility to get this information. So why not get the information to begin with and send it in with your claim? These are things that me and Mr. Davis are talking about. Okay. We are retired VA Raiders. You know, uh, Lady B, she trained me. I, I'm, I, it just, it blows my mind almost. Okay. So I don't want, I don't want to go too far off in the weeds. Yeah. I don't, but real quick, I don't, I don't think everyone really understood about that 4142 thing. <laughs> that, that right there, uh, it, it is literally uh, a gold alone, right? It's, vi it's so valuable to be able to get your decision rated because right now the, the VA just has so many claims in the queue right now uh, because this whole PACT Act situation and such. Over a million. Uh, the backlog is just ridiculous. That right there will save you some time. That right there would save you months of headache. You know, so, we used to yeah. we used to call that forty one forty two the danger zone. <laughs> You're in the danger zone. You 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 do that. You just woo. You that's oh man. Okay, so yeah. we're gonna take uh we're gonna take three more questions. We're right at almost one hour, so I want to be respectful of Mr. Davis' time. I know he's in a different time zone. Michael, uh, I haven't other than an honorable discharge. Should I apply for a disability comp? Um. One, you have to understand, uh, do they do character discharges on other than honorable? Um, and then my question would be, do you have one period of service or two periods of service? Because uh, I had a client that did 20 years in Air Force. And he went to an accredited agent, a lawyer, and he had a dishonorable discharge. And they said, you're not going to get anything. And he came to me and I said, they told you that? Yeah, they're accredited. Right now, he's 100%. Because guess what? That last period of service was dishonorable. He got service connected for the other conditions during the honorable periods. So, uh, Michael, I would say, you know, is it just one period? Uh, submit the claim. If it is one period, uh, I can't, I don't know if the VSR would do a character discharge on that. And the character discharge, they'll let you know if you're barred from compensation, health care, or if you awarded um, uh, benefits. Do you know Mr. Davis off the top of the head? Because I, I certainly don't. If they do uh, character discharges on other than honorable conditions, I would say no, but I'm not for sure. I have to look it up. Yeah, so uh, what would need, so typically what would happen, they would uh, make a administrative decision. Uh, they would need to be able to process administrative decision, like you said, to uh, determine if that uh, period of service is credible or if it's barred from benefits, right? Um, but regardless of the fact of that, I would tell every veteran to go ahead and submit it to no, um, just no, uh, if you are barred or not. So when we're talking about other honors, it's very sensitive. It's very sensitive, um, you know, discharges, different times in service, different there's so many different uh, variations and also variables that come into play. So uh, with other than honorable, what I would say is make sure that you get an administrative decision or see why they're bar barring you from benefits. And once you understand why you're barred from benefits, uh, with the uh, so forever changing regulations of the DOD, you may you may intensely be able to qualify depending on the uh, your discharge, uh, your discharge subject and also your discharge regulation code. 
So it, it really depends, you know. Um, but I, I would say submit your claim uh, regardless of the fact to see what's sure. see what what. And I did a video a couple of weeks ago how to go to the VA's website and submit for a uh, uh, what did I call it? Uh, a discharge update, a upgrade or something like that. Mm -hmm. I think I called it. And they got a cool feature on their website where you go through, you click buttons, yes or no, and then they'll tell you where you need to submit it and all that stuff, okay? Mm -hmm. All right, we'll take a couple more. I'll let you take this one, uh, Mr. Davis. I was trying to find my claim. All right. How hard would it be to get to 100%? Ooh. All right, Mr. Strada, Mr. Strada. I filed my claims uh, and got 90%. How hard it would be to get 100% by myself? Mr. Estrada, um, you know, it all depends, sir. You know, uh, that's, that, that's a very difficult question to answer because it, it really all depends on uh, one, you know, you may be 90%, but you may actually only have 85% that bumped you up to the 90% on the criteria of the VA, uh, your, your VA math. Right. And it may take you another 70, 80 percent to get you 100 percent. I don't know. I don't know. I wouldn't ever. It takes you know, we have to analyze the full case file to see uh, what kind of strategy that we will be able to provide to get you to 100 percent. So that is uh, up in the air, sir. OK. Uh, we'll take one more. It says, what if someone goes from I'm thinking total to permanent? was never canceled, never signed, was completed wrong rank, and never received new DD-214. Uh, so user from LinkedIn, we're going to need more information. I'm not understanding um, what, you're, uh, what you're saying there, okay? So there's more uh, information. All right, so we're right at, we're a little bit, three minutes over. Just want to give a shout out to a couple of people that donated. S. Hobson, can I claim vertigo caused by migraines? That would be secondary. Thank you, sir, for the donation. Uh, just want to make sure to get people that um, donated. Oh, okay. Dr. Detroit, hey, I really appreciate uh, the donation. Uh, one thing that I did this year, um, I no longer adopt the schools in low-income areas. Um, took some of those funds and purchased a couple of turkeys, uh, and I deep fried them for the vet um, organization at the University of South Florida, the director and associate director, they're doing some really good things with uh, the veterans at U USF University of South Florida. So I deep fried some turkeys and they had dinner and the vets that weren't able to, to make it home, they came in and together and broke bread, broke bread together. And I uh, donated a couple of turkeys and also, what I did was I pledged two scholarships because I need to get a contact with them before the year end uh, to donate $500 each semester to a veteran at need uh, at uh, USF University of South Florida. So that's where these uh, donations uh, go. So vet uh, I know was exposed to burn pits in Middle East, uh, had weird problems, low appetite, kidney coughing ever since, and now has stage four lymphoma. He applied for PACDAC. Uh, has and had and has VA interview soon. What to expect or words of wisdom? Uh, one thing that I, you know, that I know I look for when it came presumptives was there anything before they went to the Gulf, anything afterwards, you know. And I think 
that's the way you would have to explain it. You know, uh, a lot of people don't know about undiagnosed illnesses, you know. Um, so you went to the Gulf and you came back. So obviously they saw something. You look at that criteria. But again, you know, Mr. Davis said it earlier, when you go to these exams, you have to be able to explain it. You know, I call it being able to reasonably articulate your symptomology, understand the diagnostic code criteria for whatever you're claiming. And how does that, how do you feel that you being in Southwest Asia, being exposed to toxins, um, cause that? Uh, do you want to um, wrap wrap up or, you know, I'll give you the last thoughts on that last question, uh, Mr. Davis. Uh, no, I mean, I, I, I think you, you, you know, you said it eloquently um, when you when you're when you're going through this uh, process to um, explain your symptomatology, you also you want to make sure you tie it into how it affects you. A lot of times, uh, many veterans, they go into the process uh, to discuss, you know, uh, in a fashion, they're going to discuss the events that transpire uh, throughout their service, but they're not explaining how the symptoms affected them and also the environment exposure um, if you were exposed to burn pits if you were exposed to uh, different toxins that can affect your skin if you're exposed to radiation if you're exposed to asbestos is there so many different toxins that are being uh, veterans deal with um, you know we can't count on the uh, we can't count on it to be labeled as you know automatically come down the pipeline to hopefully be one day be um, you know, uh, a presumptive condition. So with that, just as Kimball said, you know, being able to um, to put your symptoms under a undiagnosed illness is very, uh, very smart to do. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we're wrapping up with uh, Annette Baker. Thanks for the super sticker. I definitely appreciate it. Um, again, uh, if you're in uh, Vegas, somewhere on the West Coast or anywhere else, definitely go out and check out Veterans for Veterans. Uh, they're uh, toll-free number is 619-786, well, not toll-free, but 619-786-0465. Their website, vetsforvetsconsulting.com. I did put their phone number in uh, the comment section as well. Don't forget, go out to my website, pick up the new book. I'm going to show you what it looks like, okay? And the reason why I'm showing you what it looks like, because someone else decided to write a book and call it VA Claim Success and put it on Amazon. But this is the real deal, okay? This is this is it. I'm giving you something that you can use. A lot of veterans been giving, giving a lot of good feedback on it. I got QR codes in here. So uh, that'll take you to the M21 manual reference and the 38 CFR. So when you go to the website, use the coupon code VET, V-E-T-20, when you check out. So you can get a reduced amount. I shipped out, they got like 18, 20 books to ship out tonight and only two people use the code and they bought it off the website, okay? Uh, so definitely, again, uh, everyone uh, give a round of applause to Mr. Davis. Uh, really appreciate what you're doing, Mr. Davis, uh, for veterans. Thank you for you know coming on this evening. I know it won't be uh, the last time. I know we'll see each other in Dallas uh, again uh, in March. So definitely uh, appreciate you coming on. Uh, and anything else, I'll give you the final words if you want to, uh, any other things that you're doing in the community in Vegas, or if you got any workshops coming up, go ahead and uh, let everyone know. We got over, we got 180 people. Hopefully we got 180 likes 
we had over 200 people to, this evening, so we're still uh, close to 200. So just go ahead and just let everybody know what you're doing out there in Vegas in the community. If you got anything coming up uh, where they can attend. Well, uh, you know, we do have obviously a, a seminar tomorrow, actually, that's going to be transpiring. But uh, all our workshops and seminars that uh, we travel the country putting on for our veteran, our veteran communities in regards to education, uh, we always make sure that we'll be putting it out not only through the website, but also uh, providing that information through our YouTube channel as well um, and also Facebook as well. So you guys can always look us up there. Uh, but, you know, I, I say I say that uh, beyond that, um, Kimball, we're so gracious and uh, so thankful that you're able to have us on your platform. Really appreciate everything that you're doing out there. You're doing the work we, and we see it um, as a veteran myself. I thank you and I honor what you're doing. Thank you so much. Okay. All right. Appreciate it. We'll go ahead and close it out. Good. Uh, good evening, everyone. Uh, again, make sure you watch these videos and catch us on our other social media platforms as well to see what we're doing uh, we might be in a city uh, near you. Take care. Stick around, Mr. Davis.